If we suffer with him, we shall be glorified together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. A young man, tired, exhausted, seeing there was no other way out, knelt down to pray. My God, I cannot, he said. My cross is way too heavy to carry. The Lord replied, My son, if you can bear it, deposit it in this room. Then open this door and choose the one you desire. Relieved, the young man said, Thank you, Lord, and did what he said. Upon entering the next room, he saw many crosses, some so huge that he could not see the top of them, some with a normal size but still a bit too heavy for him. Then he saw a small wooden cross leaning on the wall. I want this one, Lord, he whispered. And the Lord replied, My son, this is the cross you were carrying. Yes, every single cross that God gives us has the perfect dimension, perfect weight and shape for us. He never gives us a cross that we wouldn't be able to carry and never sends us difficulties or obstacles that we would not be able to overcome. Remember St. Paul, who complained about that thorn, that cross he received in his flesh. About this, he said, I have three times pleaded with the Lord that it might leave me, but he has answered me. My grace is enough for you, for power is at full stretch in weakness. It is then about my weaknesses that I am happiest of all to boast, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Another man, always dissatisfied with himself and dissatisfied with others, kept grumbling against God, as we too often do, saying, But who said that everyone should carry his cross? Really, is there no way to avoid that cross? I'm frankly tired of carrying such heavy burden. And God answered to him, said, He led the man in a dream, and saw human existence on earth as a huge procession, each one carrying his cross on his shoulders. And the man himself was part of that endless procession. He walked with difficulty, carrying the weight of his cross. After a while, he realized it was too long. That's why the march was so tiring. It would be enough, he said, if I shortened a bit that cross. I would have a lot less trouble. He sat on a stone, and with a few good notches, he shortened his cross a few inches. A little further, still dissatisfied, he decided to start over. He took larger pieces of wood off, thus shortening the cross again. Further on, the same thing, again and again, until finally he seemed that his cross was perfectly suited and easy to carry for him. When he returned, he found that his progress was much faster and lighter. And without getting tired, he reached the place that seemed to be the destination of this long procession, a large ravine like a gaping wound in the ground. But beyond that, that gap was the eternal promised land, land of everlasting happiness, the other side of the ravine foreshadowed an enchanting spectacle. However, to cross that bridge, 
to cross the、uh, gate. Sorry, there was no bridge nor gateway. Yet, men and women that were on that procession passed easily, each laying his cross down on either side of the ravine and crossing that gap. The crosses seemed for all of them tailor-made; they exactly fit to connect the edges of the precipice. Everyone was able to cross the precipice, except him. He had shortened his cross, and now it was too short to reach the other side of the abyss. How many times a day do we try to shorten our crosses, putting them aside, complaining about them, and looking with envy at the crosses of our neighbor? How often do we imagine ourselves carrying a cross that is not ours, and thinking that the cross we have chosen would be lighter, more appropriate, and more comfortable for us? It is the duty of the whole body of the church to live godly, says Pope Leo the Great. So is it her right at all times to be a bearing of her Master's cross, and that not only in in, in her general body, but individually in the person of each one of her members, who differ every one from another in the way in which they have to carry it, and the shape. In which it is laid upon them. Instead of measuring our crosses, taking one, typically the one we choose, leaving the other, typically the one the good Lord has chosen for us, embracing one, rejecting the other. Let us look at our Savior. Ours are merited. We deserve our crosses because of our sins. And let's therefore rejoice, because by accepting them and embracing these crosses, we redeem ourselves and diminish the cost of the debt due to our sin in God's strict justice. But Christ, free from any sin, took his cross, and he allowed himself even to be insulted, to be called possessed by the devil, and to be treated like the worst sinner. As Saint Augustine teaches, he who created you without you will not justify you without you. Obviously, he did not need our help to create us. He created us because of an act of love, but he needs us for our own salvation. He opened for us through his death the gates of heaven, but he wants us to make this decisive step, which will lead us there. And this decisive step can be resumed in one short sentence: He that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. As Pope Saint Gregory said, "Let each of you, therefore, think within himself if this voice of God, 'Take up your cross and follow me,' is heard in the ear of his heart, and if he knows already if he is." Of God, or not. Everything seems to vanish, to disappear today. The images of the saints, the very crucifix on our altar, are all veiled from our sight. The church is oppressed with grief. Our attention should now be focused on the passion and death of our Redeemer. We have heard from Him that He will suffer, be condemned to death, and die on the cross. We have believed in His word. Because he is the word of God, how then, how 
by taking our cross, by uniting ourselves to Him. And we all agree on that. We all have heard the clear message of our Lord. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now let's each one of us make a quick examination of conscience. Three types of behaviors certainly in our lives can be identified. First, those who do not even want to hear the words of God, whose ears, not of the soul but of the body, are voluntarily closed to the reception of the commandments of our Savior. Second, those who made this first step, who listened to the voice of God calling them to be part of the work of salvation, but without any desire in their soul to practice the commandments, the precepts of the Lord, who receive the same with their bodily ears, but whose heart is far from them. Finally, some who hear the words of God with joy, so that they are moved even to tears, but then, but when their fit of weeping is past, they turn again to iniquity and sin. Too many times can we identify ourselves in at least one of these behaviors. He who is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear is that you are not of God, says our Lord himself. O Lord Jesus Christ, help us to unite ourselves more and more to you, accepting our crosses every day, being more attentive to your voice, to the many inspirations of the Holy Spirit we receive most of the time through our conscience, a well-formed conscience, because we know that by suffering with you, we will obtain the victory of our death. And with you, we will rejoice forever in the heavenly kingdom that you have prepared for us. Amen. If we suffer with him, we shall be also glorified together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.